Welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Cybersecurity affects us all, whether we are at home, managing a company, supporting clients, or even running a state or local government. Join CIS's Sean Atkinson and Tony Sager as they discuss trends and threats, ways to implement controls and infrastructure, explore best practices, and interview experts in the industry. We are here to bring clarity to these complex issues to bring confidence in the connected world. Hello and welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Sean Atkinson, and today we're talking about industrial control system security, the threats and the elements that go into making a good operational technology program. And joining me in this discussion is Karen Sarati, Vice President for the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center Member Engagement Department. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. Karen, I wondered if you could give our audience a brief introduction about yourself um, and your role here at CIS. Sure. So, um, as you said, I'm the vice president of MSISAC member engagement. Um, I've been in the role for just a little over a month now. Um, my background is that I came from New York State. I was the New York State chief information security officer and a member of our Office of Information Technology executive team for the past two years, and I worked in cybersecurity over at New York State for about 15 years or so. Fantastic. So, Karen, this is why uh, I wanted to have you on the show as a guest. I think um, one of the big things that we're starting to see is industrial control system security taking a uh, a whole new level of consideration in the security posture of organizations. And we can see within multiple organizations, multiple industry verticals where operation technology needs to be considered as part of not only a cybersecurity risk, but really a business risk. Um, and I kind of want to quote, in, in some cases, uh, Karen here, uh, President Biden. Uh, and one of the reasons why I thought this topic uh, made sense right now is really this call to awareness. Um, you know, we've seen geopolitical issues um, throughout the world, specific, um, you know, nation states uh, with a tech perspective and tactics that we've seen in the past. And so one of those elements is... Um, industrial control system security, operators need to step up and understand that particular threat. And we've seen from CISA, you know, the Shields Up program, CIS has done, you know, the, the top five things to get started in building a resiliency in terms of your internal program. What does that mean to you, Karen, and how are we helping uh, organizations with, uh, with this particular issue? So I think President Biden is correct in, in trying to stress to everybody that, that cybersecurity, the cyber threat is a really big problem with much to do to get us collectively into a better place. Um, cyber threat is not something that any of us can solve on our own. It's gonna require a great deal of collaboration and focus within both public and private sector, requiring governments and organizations to work together. And luckily we, we do have a, a pretty good synerg synergy there within the cyber realm. But in general, as you know, we're seeing an increase in cyber attacks, including those that um, are targeting against uh, industrial control systems. Attackers are becoming more sophisticated. They're looking for targets that will have the greatest impact. And we saw that a lot over the pandemic as there was a, a rise in attacks against health um, healthcare uh, facilities and hospitals, right? They're going for the for big impact there. 
Um, and they're having a fair amount of success, which is sort of em emboldening them. Um, ICS, industrial control, control systems, can have a big impact, so um, certainly uh, an attractive target. Um, and then as we're modernizing and, and digitizing, there's a big explosion of that happening right now. What we're seeing is more and more of the operational technology systems being connected to the internet, and now they're becoming accessible from anywhere. And that historically is not how they were set up. They were historically closed systems, um, not open to the internet. So many times those systems were designed or set up um, or configured without proper security in mind. Um, you know, they set them up, made sure they're working, no security hardening was done, things like changing your default passwords or limiting who has access. And in some cases, they're proprietary systems that really can't, can't have that traditional hardening, the patches and patching and kinds of things. So as those things are connected to, um, to, to traditional networks, traditional information technology networks, they become exposed and at greater risk. And while a lot of our industrial control systems are operated by the private sector, there's quite a few that are owned by our state, local, tribal, and territory governments. Things like traffic lights or the traffic warning systems, dams, um, water and sewer treatment plants, and even power systems. And um, you know that's that's a little concerning to me because these are these are being run by the same governments that are struggling with funding for their day-to-day -day operations, um, and struggling with resource shortages to address cybersecurity concerns. So um, you know it's 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 something that we all need to focus on and make sure that we're um, giving appropriate attention to and giving appropriate resources towards. Absolutely. No, I think um, a number of those elements are things that I'd like to um, dive a little bit deeper into in terms of um, what we're seeing in this particular sector is, um, I think, across the information security, cybersecurity landscape, we're seeing this um, consideration that resources are not available, that there are a number of positions, jobs, gaps in skills that need to be filled over the next few years in order to meet the digitization of really our lives. Um, and one of those things, I, you know, I often reflect is, is this a problem of bringing people into the industry? You know, uh, obviously myself and, and yourself have been uh, in information security for a number of years. Um, wonderful job, um, you know, a lot of opportunity to expand knowledge and continuously learn. Um, I wonder what, you know, some of the emphasis of those not being able to enter into the cybersecurity space. Is it, you know, I can't get the experience to get the underlying job because the entry level requires two years, I don't have it. Or is it, um, you know, we're not marketing how, um, how this job itself can affect and truly at this point become um, a critical element of protecting infrastructure. I think ultimately the way I phrase it, Karen, is... Um, you know, you have good people, you have good resiliency, now you're building a security program on that foundation. What are your thoughts in that space? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's hard. I think in a lot of cases, we have some unrealistic expectations of entry-level positions. Um, and in some cases, and what I mean by that is, you know, we're looking for, for unicorns, for people that have you know, um, years of experience and may have lots of certifications as opposed to, you know, bringing people in that can 
think creatively, um, that can problem solve, and then training them up on the job. Um, I think that's that's a little bit more important. Um, I think we're also not, maybe not targeting the right um, majors, if you will. Right? There's a this this thought that you know it has to be a computer science person. Um, you know, they need to have really deep understanding of of you know networks and and systems. And that's not necessarily always the case either. Um, I've seen in my experience that we our, our top cyber people came from many different majors um, in college um, and and from many you know many different backgrounds. There's a lot of facets to cyber, so um, I think sometimes that can scare people away that would normally be really good in the field. Um, and uh, you know I, I think those are our, our, our two big things. The other thing is um, making sure that we're using our universities to try to um, make sure that they're teaching the appropriate things or the base um, things that we, we would need for a cyber professional and then using them to provide some on-the-job training perhaps and, and use that as a feeder into um, some hiring programs I think would be great um, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, ultimately, um, you know the degrees and the certifications provide some elements, but I think the the hands-on um, ability to manage it. And I think one of the things you said there, critical thinking, and that can come from any particular major, right? And you've I've seen, you know, a number of high-level uh, CISOs and those in information security coming from, you know, history and and music and other these things. And it, it's not about you know necessarily having that computer science background so you know um you know just big o notation you know that that doesn't really factor in you know it's not something you use every day but critical thinking and being able to dissect a problem uh, i think is uh, one of the things i often say as well karen uh, again a lot of my sayings here is you know hire for attitude and train for skill and i think that would bring uh, a number of people into really what is a potential phenomenal career um, because um, the way I look at it as well is this problem, these issues are not going away. In fact, they're only getting more critical in terms of the fact that everything is really converging on a space that is digitized. And where you meet digitization is, you know, you meet the elements of cybersecurity in terms of protection, building resiliency, the underlying infrastructure etc. You know, and you can kind of build out from there is um, how it affects our everyday lives. I mean, it's, you know, if we're uh, not connected to our phones, we're not connected to, um, you know, our employers, our friends, family, etc. And so it it all is part of this massive ecosystem that, uh, you know, there's a lot of consideration that's required in that space. Um, so, Karen, one of the things as well that I've, I've noticed over time, and I've worked in... Um, high-tech manufacturing, and there was always a, a divide. But let me put it out this, uh, this way, and we'll see if this makes sense today. And obviously, this was a number of years ago, but there was information technology, and that's everything we know as traditional cybersecurity. And then there was operational technology. And basically, the underlying element there was, when you look at the CIA triad, the most important thing was availability. Do not affect my systems. This is working. It's producing, i.e. producing means uh, revenue generation. You know, there's, there's no elements of uh, issue in that space. 
but you want to tell me to shut my system down in order to do updates. I don't know if that system will ever come back up again if we do shut it down. It's running, I'm happy, what is the problem? Are we still seeing that type of um, attitude today? Is that still a, a, a place of contention uh, that we need to address as cybersecurity professionals? Absolutely, I would say uh, absolutely. Um, I think it's getting better, but um, again, these these two two different networks, if you will, the operations technology network and the information technology network, previously operated, as you said, in their own spheres. Um, with the operational technology being run and supported by engineers or plant operators who aren't necessarily well-versed in information technology or security. And at the same time, you've got IT teams um, who were reluctant to take on additional work of securing systems that they don't have that familiarity with, right? They're, they're happy to leave that to the engineers. Um, but I think what we're finding is, you know, security is no longer nice to have, it's a necessity. So we really need to, to figure that out. And I think a lot of, um, as you said, OT engineers, operators, the primary consideration for them is going to be availability and uptime. And security controls can impact performance, right? We don't wanna you know, pretend that there's never gonna be an issue. They certainly can introduce latency, um, they can impact performance and they, they can even crash a system. Um, and in some cases, I, I believe that if you make changes to the system, you void warranties that they have on that system. So we, we have to we have to sort of address that issue um, and, and you know, get the systems to be a little more resilient and stable. Um, but again, the lines are starting to blur. I think there's realization that with the attacks that we've been seeing, um, security is absolutely essential. So we really need to work on bridging that gap between OT and IT. And I think the key is really just getting the two teams to start collaboratively working together um, on the problem um, and, and to try to engage in some cross-functional education and training. Um, have your security people talk to your engineers, um, have them educate them on what could happen to those systems as they're put online. Um, unfortunately, I think we're all guilty of, all organizations are guilty of sort of ignoring the problem until something happens. And, and you wanna to try to avoid that. You don't wanna wait until um, your traffic warning system is hacked as, as we saw in many different municipalities, I think going back to as far as 2019, the, um, the zombies ahead that would show on the traffic warning systems. You know, that is relatively harmless, but the, if you, you know, think it through what the potential, there could be potential catastrophic impacts to that. Um, so really just educating them on, on trying to think that way and then getting the IT people, I think, comfortable in um, working with the engineers to apply the security that is needed. Absolutely. No, I, th I think there's a number of elements that you've hit there. Again, uh, this is great. It is really, I think, risk identification. I think is truly an important element where we can start to uh, make this a risk discussion rather than an IT versus OT. I think you're absolutely right. right. Let's bring those two together through an element of understanding risk, uh, and then that will allow us to um, really have conversations. And I think it's, you know, I always go back and there was... Um, with the CIS controls version 7, there was an industrial control system um, security guide that was produced. Um, and I thought it was really well done. And one of those elements was the asset identification. 
And in a lot of cases, it has been, as to, to your point, is something that the engineers had, you know, configured, managed, built, was on a separate network, and it wasn't part of the IT's asset inventory in terms of, you know, implementation of any control framework. Uh, again, I'm going to reflect the CIS controls uh, number one. And then when you have those conversations, because I had done it myself, is um, it opens up worlds where you've seen um, or you thought you'd seen the last of Windows XP <laughs> and you find it still on your OT network. You know, it's been, you know, Old Faithful here, this machine's been running for 10 years. We've never switched it off. We've never upgraded it, but it was built on Windows XP. You know, it's probably aging myself as to back when I was doing this work um, and, and found these systems. And it, it just becomes a realization uh, you know, oh, we, we've, you know, it, it's not the fact that there's some, some esoteric operating system that's been built. It's literally running on Windows. It just happens to be an application that's running um, in there, managing network connections through, you know, different modules and things. And it was uh, quite a realization. Uh, and so I think from a risk perspective, it opens up uh, new opportunities. Uh, do you think that's right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and those kinds of findings happen on IT networks as much as <laughs> yes. it does on OT networks as well. I should say, absolutely um, right. But yeah, I, again, as as you said, and and I, I've I've said uh, previously, these systems were isolated by design, and that makes discovery of assets difficult, right? If they're not connected, then then you may not necessarily have them in your inventory. You may completely forget about them that they're out there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean that is that is critical security control number one is know what you have, um, and hopefully, hopefully find out about what it is and where it is before the bad guy does. Um, so yeah, it's important to scan your networks on on a, a regular basis to try to find out what's out there for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that dialogue then helps bring about some new elements of, again, as I mentioned, uh, and that you'd reflected risk identification, because it, um, you know, your your attack surface becomes that much bigger, but it's not going to go away until you understand the problem. And I think there's a bi-directional um, engagement between both teams, because there are certain protocols, certain infrastructure that IT is just not going to be aware of in the industrial control system uh, space. But there's lessons learned from the IT space where we've seen a greater uh, period of maturity, let's say, in terms of understanding security problems and being able to build and affect uh, capability that can be transferred to um, the OT space. Uh, you know, the simple example is default credentials. You just mentioned, right? I have the system, it's integrated, I just use admin password, it gets me to, uh, you know, a human machine interface, I'm good to go, you know, I can then work and manage the process and engage. In some cases, there's no password set up, you know, it's just unfettered access into this particular system that no one's, you know, necessarily considered uh, to be an attack vector. I remember, um, this is again another few years back, um, I was talking with uh, a gentleman who owned a company that built um, uh, the industrial control systems uh, in a particular industry vertical. And he says, you know, one of the things I face, he says, I think there's a future where any one of these systems connected um, to the internet could pose an issue. And I was, I was like, well, that, I'm kind of skeptical. I don't think anybody would be interested in connecting to this. 
And now you step me back um, to where I am today and I'm like, boy, could I go back in time and tell myself, let's talk to this particular person about his problem, identify that as being a risk because any target on the internet is potential, right? There, there's, you know, um, I would say from some attacker mindsets, if it's connected and if I can connect to it, that's a vulnerability that, you know, there's an element of vulnerability that I want to find. I want to be able to um, use that curiosity to understand what system I'm attacking and can it be attacked uh, in those cases. And it was, um, you know, I step back in time and think, wow, um, the naivete of some people. Now, I, I think that naivete exists today that, well, who would care about my, you know, labeling system? No one really cares about it, right? It's connected. So what? But again, I, I just think that it, it's either the opportunity of attacking that particular system or lateral movement to other systems that you are concerned about from that particular network if that uh, network configuration is not necessarily isolated in a way that we think it is and that we could do some lateral movement into other systems within our infrastructure. Um, any thoughts there, uh, Karen, from my- Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, um, I think People still have a, you know, why would anyone be interested in this kind of thing? But, but our attackers are really, um, they do a lot of attacks of opportunity just and, and sort of spray and see what they can get. Um, you know, I think back to, uh, I think it was 2013 when we had um, the dam just north of New York City um, in a very small town that had been infiltrated by, um, by foreign actors. That was really concerning. Um, there was no damage. I mean, it's, it was a relatively, I think, minor target that could not have created much, much damage. And I think there's some thinking that they may have accidentally hit the wrong target. Um, but, you know, if you think about if it was a larger target, the the impacts on public health that it could have happened there. Um, and, you know, again, those traffic signs that I mentioned before, you know, why, you know, why would anyone want to hack those? And, you know, what's, what's the big deal there? You know, zombies ahead is kind of funny, but if it was changing a sign that said bridge closed ahead to bridge open, I mean, that could be catastrophic. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, you know, um, and, and we've also seen fairly regularly, more regularly than I care, um, attacks on, on small municipalities and, and small targets. Um, there was also just, I think last year was the um, the city in Florida where somebody was able to breach their um, water treatment or water supply and, and try to add lye to the water. Um, luckily, there was a lot of uh, safeguards. The operator did also see what happened and was able to reverse it. But um, again, what if it hadn't been detected? What if something was down, one of the uh, human machine interfaces or something that, that um, or sensors um was down and, and they were successful. Again, could have been pretty catastrophic for public health. So, I, you know, I wouldn't think any target is is too small. Um, the, the, these attackers are determined and sophisticated and, um, you know, will we'll look for the weakest point wherever they can. Um, and as you said, a lot of that is just finding an entry place where they can then um, laterally move into bigger targets within your organization. Definitely. No, I think you bring up some excellent examples. And I think it, um, 
I think it requires us to take a step back in some cases with, uh, you know, organizations, especially those, um, I'll call, uh, for, for the purpose of this, Karen, underserved, those that are smaller that, um, you know, may not have necessarily the resources, talent, or skill to understand the entire threat landscape. They know there's something that they've got to do, um, but it's just adding it to the list of other things that, you know, require me to keep this infrastructure up and running. And I think that's quite a challenge. Um, again, I do want to reflect, though, in some cases on that, that I don't think there's been a better time for industrial control system awareness. And I think that continues to grow um, as we see these particular attacks. You know, I often for me where it became the most apparent was um, the Stuxnet case, you know, just, you know, warfare that took place that um, uh, focused on particular industrial control systems and um, uh, uh, PLCs uh, in this case. And um, I think that just had a ripple effect. For me, at least, it was raising awareness, one, to where I would have gone back many years to uh, to, to try and find out the problems of uh, industrial cybersecurity control requirements. And to now where I see the vast improvement in terms of one awareness, two organizations that are considering um, the requirements and need for controls in the industrial control system space, and even conferences now focused on this, even SENS themselves have, you know, focus training on this. You've seen um, a SENS instructor, uh, Rob M. Lee and his uh, organization, that uh, Dragos, that is doing a phenomenal job of bringing awareness, protection, building tools, capabilities uh, that allow um, maybe smaller organizations or really any organization that has this type of infrastructure to be aware uh, and to really take it into consideration as to being part of, you know, your responsibility. If we create the new RACI chart, it's not about being informed anymore. You're being responsible for, for these types of elements. Um, it's Is that tracking with you as well and what you're seeing, Karen? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you make some good points there that, that, it's um it's all of our responsibilities. So you know I, I'd say it's not just um it's not just on the shoulders of the um, industrial control system operators to figure this out. Um, I think as security professionals, um, we should be reaching out to them. Um, and I know as you as you've mentioned, in a lot of cases we have there's things being set up, but but make making sure that they're aware of these things, aware of resources that are available to them. Um, you had mentioned the critical controls and and the um, companion that was that was set up for that. What I really like about that is um, it 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 looks at the controls in in light of particular challenges um, or issues that industrial control systems may face, and it calls them right out ahead of time. Hey, this control might not work for you because of these reasons, kinds of things. Um, and, and in some cases offer suggestions, which I think is good. You got you get, have to meet people where they are, right? Um, to, to get them to, to buy in and, and want to be educated and want to be brought along with you. Um, you mentioned um, the US Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency says that has a lot of good resources on their website as well, which is fantastic. Um, 
the United Kingdom National Cybersecurity Center has some really good resources on how to design securely. Um, but again, I think it's I think it's up to all of us to to start the conversations and start collaborating together um, to sort of you know bring us to a better place. And I think going back to how we started this conversation, I think that's what President Biden was trying to do in his in his call to action. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you're 100% right in, in terms of responsibility. I think there's one of the things um, that I think is particularly interesting is, um, you know, reaching out to organizations, but also organizations, you know, reaching out as well and saying, here's a particular problem. What can I do? And it's often you find, um, I've asked that question before, and the answer has been, I don't know or it's been ignored in the past. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, President Biden's um, uh, issuance to us as a community, and you're absolutely right, this is everybody's responsibility. Uh, and we need to be working in concert with uh, literally all of the agencies and uh, private and public uh, elements here to, to make sure we're getting the message across and providing assistance, because this is not an easy challenge uh, again, I think you may have seen in some cases there <laughs> in the past, there could have been discovery exercises where what's on that infrastructure, um, taking a look and seeing what's there and saying, well, hold on a second. Um, you know, uh, probably a mistake in me even asking, I'm going to move away from that. We've got to ask these hard questions now. There's no, you know, if we don't ask the hard questions and get a good answer, it's going to be even a harder question to answer when those systems are either compromised or we're looking at, you know, potential issues. And, you you know, you mention um, a number of elements of when we talk industrial control system, it can have that connotation depending on obviously the industry vertical, the application of the systems that there's health and human safety involved in a lot of cases, that is true, and it just raises the bar on that risk. That's why I think it's great to be a risk, having a risk conversation, because in some cases, and again, you know, I'm being very, um, uh, let me use my poetic license here, is in a lot of terms of in IT, it can be um, not necessarily life and safety, right? It can be inconvenience, or it can be systems and services are not available. Now, obviously, that could turn into, but in the general sense of, you know, a number of organizations, emails down, or a messaging systems down, or video conferencing, especially in our new normal, are, are key elements to our infrastructure. But when we turn that page, looking at operational technology, seeing the combination and, and seeing this elevated risk posture that we need to take, I think everyone, everyone then needs to understand um, that they are responsible. And I think you put that perfectly uh, in your previous statement that it's um, it cannot be ignored and we need to be um, making sure that we're partnering. There are resources and you are not alone in this endeavor. There are people with the same situation that are having the same problems. And in some cases, those problems are being solved and using those as use cases or elements to show that there is success in this space, I think can do a world of wonder in terms of promoting not only the capability, but also hopefully building the motivation in order to solve the underlying problems themselves. Um, 
So with that um, particular element, Karen, uh, have you seen um, any elements of improvement over time uh, with respect to um, your time at New York State? Uh, and again, you've been, you know, you're relatively new here at uh, CIS, but are we making strides in the space, in your opinion? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think so. And, and um, you know, through my career, I've definitely seen growth in that area, um, in, in particular over the last few years. Again, as we're as we're digitizing everything and getting everything connected, um, you know, sometimes that forces the realization. Um, so, yeah, again, it's luckily as um, IT professionals, cyber professionals, we have the hindsight of the need for collaboration. Um, we wouldn't have been able to get to the sec uh, security posture that we are now without that, without all working together. Um, so we know that, and that's one of the things that we should be preaching um, for industrial control security as well. Um, as you say, that importance of not trying to do this alone. There's others that, are, that have the same problem that you have. Um, reach out, work together, try to figure that out. Um, it, within the state, yes, definitely. I saw that that the um, that convergence of OT and IT over time, um, the building of those relationships. There's obviously, you know, there's a lot more work to be done, but those I'm seeing those threads starting to come together, um, and and people starting to have that realization and work towards that. And interestingly, I just I had read a Gartner article um, that talked about that maturity phase of of ICS security. And I think it said that 60 percent of organizations are in that just initial awareness phase, right, where they're just realizing that, hey, this is something we need to work on. Um, so um, we're getting there, right? It, we're, we're starting that maturity journey. And while we may be at the very beginning, there's definitely some progress being made. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think in, in a lot of cases that maturity can be accelerated by the lessons learned from IT <laughs> and the issues we've had in the past, right? And, and here's how we've solved that. Here's how we've uh, been able to accomplish our goals. And maybe those can transfer as a, uh, a catalyst to take in that 60%. And that's, um, it's good that there's awareness and again, you can't expect that 60% overnight to be in another element of implementation or starting an implementation of a security program. It takes time. Um, but I think given the uh, heightened awareness and the resources that are available, um, hopefully that can help um, you know get the, those organizations in maybe the same poll next year further along that maturity life cycle uh, and... Um, yeah, I think there's a, an important element too is, uh, and you touched on it uh, previously, uh, Karen, but it's bringing people together in the same spaces, you know, so that's working groups and uh, and different elements within that space to, you know, really share those stories, right? And I think that's one of the big things in the information security community is there's really, I hate to say it this way, but I'll, let me, let me, pose this to you, Karen, and see if it makes sense, but is there's nothing new in the space. We've kind of seen it all. Yes, there's new elements of attack vector and vulnerabilities that could affect us, but underlying the model of repairing or building resiliency is, you know, it's kind of the same thing we've been doing for the last, you know, 10, 20 years. And um, 
So there's nothing really new under the sun. It's just the, the models and the process, but also the awareness and the information that's available allows us to maybe accelerate our approach to solving those problems. What do you think of that premise? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, like you said, you know, we, we had a lot of lessons learned in our journey, in our security maturity journey that hopefully we can apply to operational technology and uh, that will accelerate their growth, right? They don't have to go through the same 15, 20 years that, that we've been through. Um, hopefully that will allow for acceleration um, for sure. So yeah, I think that the, the more that we can, you know, feed off of those lessons learned, I think, I think the better. And, and one of the things that we're doing here within MSISAC with our members is we're trying to create those communities for them. Um, so, you know, we have over 13,000 members from across state, local, tribal, territory governments. Um, we're now trying to sort of form communities for them around, um, around their, what they do, right? So we've got a K through 12 community. We have a public utility community that we're, we're starting, starting up. Um, we'll be looking into probably, you know, water treatment um, communities. So we're trying to get those people in communities where they can work together, um, identify what their common problems are, and then, you know, try to uh, dive in and try to come up with different solutions. So hopefully that will be helpful in accelerating that growth. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't think of a better way of uh, approaching the problem than bringing people together and discussing it. Let's get it out on the table, I think, in a lot of cases, because there's, um, as I see now, there, there's a lot more awareness, but there is um, a number of communities. I've been uh, watching some um, online uh, type videos from uh, S4, and uh, there's a, a few really good elements there from some of the conferences that are focused on industrial control system uh, security. You know, I even saw one on secure coding for programmable logic controllers, that's fantastic. We're bringing those elements into really the same space. You know, there's um, some very interesting elements that are going on in the space. I'm really starting to apply um, security models that, were, that are being developed in that space, use those lessons, right? You don't have to start from scratch. We've got, you know, 20 years of uh, <laughs> of our ups and downs uh, that can uh, help you in this space to uh, move you along on that maturity cycle. And then I think it's also important as well um, to take the lessons from pest attacks. I think that's just particularly important. And one of the things you'd mentioned is that it doesn't get attention until it happens to me. Right. And then you see the, you know, the organization go through that cycle of, you know, the apology, the penance projects, um, you know, we've got a new CISO, these types of things in order to try and rectify or build back uh, an underli underlying reputation or brand. And um, I think seeing that, being able to reflect it to an OT space to where, you know, you can look at, um, I think it was um, Lincoln College had had a ransomware that shut the college down. I, I think the college is just closed. And it's, you know, what if that happened to my um, operational technology, especially in some of these high-tech sectors? I know I was in um, a manufacturing facility, and it was, well, they don't make this machine anymore, i.e. why there's no updates, why it's, you know, we're going to have to put layers of protection. But if that machine gets hit, destroyed, whatever... 
we can't replace it, and there's nothing else that fits into this, you know, fl the the uh, flow or the supply chain on, on the uh, manufacturing floor uh, that can compensate. And, and, you know, there's other machines that, you know, well, that particular machine costs this X millions of dollars. Uh, it's not like we have three or four sitting on the shelf. You know, those are special order that um, we, and again, you know, I'm really trying to reflect that these lessons learned need to be then taken to a risk and looking at particular critical infrastructure within your critical infrastructure. Uh, again, now I'm, I'm layering critical criticality in here, but it's, it's needed to be able to reflect, well, then what's our posture, what's our resilience, what's our strategy? And in a lot of cases, one of the things I find useful, it's not a solution to the problem, but it's useful for getting the message, is tabletop exercises. Let's practice. What would happen if this were to occur? Let's start having those conversations. And again, it requires subject matter expertise and a, uh, a requirement of time and commitment to that process. But doing it, I think, saves you years of work by being able to sit down and walk through these problems on a consistent basis and really gets the, uh, I think, the awareness out there, which is, I think, a key element. Uh, any thoughts there, Karen? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think tabletop exercises are critical. Um, unfortunately, what I've seen is sometimes we reserve those tabletop exercises for the security professionals themselves. And they're not the ones that need it necessarily, right? We need to get everybody across the organization involved. Um, you need to get the leaders of the organization involved because they're the ones who are going to be, you know, facing the press or facing, you know, whoever they they report to, the board of directors or whoever, um, the governor, um, when something happens. So um, I, I think those are are critical to an organization. I think they should be done on a regular basis. Um, it's much easier to respond and react if you've had that practice and you have that muscle memory of what to do than if you haven't done any of that practice and something happens and, um, you know, you're obviously in a, a state of high stress, a little bit of panic. Um, it, it'll be easier if you've, if you've, if you've had that practice um, prior, it'll be easier for you to respond and react appropriately. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, practice makes, maybe not perfect, but makes better in terms of incident you, response. Right. Right. It'll, it'll make you more prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the key, right? I think there's understanding the risk and then preparing for an eventuality because it's, you know, we've had this adage in the industry, uh, you know, I'll say it and, and maybe it gets some groans, but it's not a matter of if it's when, uh, has always been the adage that, you know, we have to take to protect and, I think that's lost some of its luster and power over time, that particular statement, but it's true. And it's, um, I think, trying to re-emphasize that particular lesson, as it were, is that we have to be prepared for the worst. And if we are, you know, the days where it doesn't occur, those are good. We should celebrate those days, but continuously improve, right? Uh, you know, there's elements of change management that have to come in. You know, we're replacing systems where... Uh, changing our process, those need to be integrated and part of uh, continuous tabletopping. And I, I think one of the most important lessons from today is everybody should have a seat at that table doing the tabletop uh, from your uh, that you had mentioned. I think that's absolutely critical. It's not just really in a lot of cases, it's not just leadership. You need those with the hands-on experience doing the day-to-day -day work to tell you it's not just... Um, 
you know, I use the old adage of the, uh, you know, the meteorite hitting the building, you know, that, that let's, okay, good, that exists, you know, low probability. Let's talk about some of the technical issues. And if I say, um, you know, the power goes down, but we've got a backup generator, does the time to cycle to that backup generator shut down the manufacturing plant to say, well, I don't care that it, you know, brings power back. It takes me six hours to bring these systems back up to an operational state. And we've never done that before to shut the, you know, the power off completely. Again, you know, um, thinking through those elements that is, um, it's interesting when you do get down to the operational level that there's some, I don't like to say gotchas, but there's some awareness that management needs to understand in terms of the operation to be better informed. So like we say, we build incident response plans. Those are tactical to the situation and to your environment and not just something on paper that you put, you know, on the shelf and hoping you never have to take it down, let it gather dust for a while and uh, hopefully we never have to read it again. That's that's not what that document is for. That should be a living document that follows your systems continuously. Uh, is, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing with tabletop exercises, as you mentioned, you know, the need for not just management, not just security professionals, but across the organization is you're going to find out what those dependencies are across those organizations as you exercise and as you start to think through, you know, what could happen um, and what you need to do. Um, you know, I, I think it's important that we never let a crisis go to waste. And when you when you see attacks that are happening uh, in other places, think about how, you know, what, what if that happened here? What if we got ransomed here? What, you know, what would happen? What if we lost this data? You know, that kind of thing and sort of, you know, walk those through. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying in terms of incident response plans. Those are not something that needs to, that, that sits on a shelf. Um, you need to continuously update them and, and um, make sure that you have those ready to go. Absolutely. Karen, uh, that brings us to the end of our episode. And I just, I got to use this quote, never let a crisis go to waste is absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm going to use that one. So um, that is excellent. Uh, anything final, Karen, from your perspective on today's topic that you'd like to leave the audience with? No, I, you know, again, I think it's the communication and the collaboration are going to be key. Um, like you said, um, we've learned a lot of lessons over the last 20 years that hopefully we can apply to industrial control systems and operational technology. But in order to do that, we need to start those conversations and start people talking together and working together. And, um, you know, don't try to do it alone. I say this about information technology as well as operational technology. You shouldn't be trying to do that alone. Reach out to others in your organization that may have a security background. If you are a small, small government municipality, reach out to others in your state. Um, reach out to the federal government. Um, there's a number of different ISACs that have uh, information available. So um, don't try to do it alone. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate that. And to our audience, uh, I hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. You can also follow CIS on social media to get the latest cybersecurity news and updates. Until next time, I'm Sean Atkinson. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.